Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connections, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello, everybody. Welcome to Back to Basics. Uh, today is a super special episode for me for several reasons. First, I have the Farrell couple here with me. And uh, if you have followed the podcast, you might recall Julie Roxanne on episode 11 and Alistair on episode 17. So hello, guys. Hey, Letty. Hi. And, and and that's going to bring me to the second thing, why this is special. This is the first threesome on Back to Basics. Oh, <laughs> oh I love it. Well, we're this. glad to be your first. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Better than you guys for the first time I do a, <laughs> a three-way uh, episode. So this is very exciting for me. And um, and also, you might recall that uh, the three of us were together on the podcast fellowship by Seth Godin and Alexi Palma. So we've known each other for almost two years. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty crazy to say. Time me... flies. It is yeah. amazing. So we've been on this podcast journey from the very beginning where we were thinking about what did we want our podcast to be. And, and, and it has been a great, great ride, isn't it? It has it's been amazing. It has been amazing. And just a short pat on the back to, to both of us for still going. Because yeah. podcasting is tough. Yeah, Two yeah, years yeah. is a long time. Letty, so nice props. Job, props for continuing as well. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of work. It is. But I have to say the third reason why this is special is because... Uh, and these two people are part of, I, I, I call it my executive producer's team, which is very <laughs> small because they've been editing back to basics pretty much. And we started with Julie Roxanne and then the three of us since the beginning. So you are part of why this podcast is still going on. Without you helping, uh, you and your team helping me edit this podcast, it wouldn't be a reality. Uh, it's thanks, a pleasure Abby. to support you and your podcast. I'm sure your listeners appreciate hearing from you so so often. Yeah, well, it's definitely, you know, it's all it's part of a back to basics a reflection. It's all about how you set up your structure. And some people say, oh, the podcasting is hard work and it is, but also if you if you find the right structure, you can you can make it happen. And you are a big mm. part of that. So thank you for it. Mm. Thank you. And so, I mean, I wanted to have you back on the show because, first of all, it's been a while. And then I follow your life. I, I, although we never met in person, I feel I've known you forever and that we're <laughs> friends. And these two have gone through a lot of changes in their life uh, in the past year and a half. So I wanted to exchange ideas. And I learned a lot from your podcast, by the way. I mean, you guys have to check out the Farah a podcast that uh, it would be on the show notes but uh, it's so interesting that i feel we could do not two episodes or three but several of them <laughs> <laughs> so the first big change is uh, if anybody has heard their individual episodes you might recall they were living in a caravan in the french in the middle of the french woods so you yes. went from living an unconventional living, which is part of the of, of your podcast, 
to now you're in Guatemala and there's been a lot of changes. So we would need like a full week if we wanted to go in detail. But basically you were having the life that a lot of people want to have. You were in a caravan in the middle of the French woods. You were not married. Uh, I want to hear a little bit about that, that part of your life. Just do a summary of how was it living in the caravan and what, what was that experience given to you? It it was really, really fun. Um, there were definitely things about it that I, I think from a from an early age, at least from when I first started working, so like early 20s, I always had this thought like, what would it be like to just kind of like give the middle finger to everyone and <laughs> go get a caravan like somewhere and kind of, you know, just be a hermit and do that. Like I always had that kind of in the back of my head. I was like, what would that be like? Mm. Um, and we got to, we bought an old caravan, we renovated it. We made it our home. Building a home from scratch together was, you know, a lot of fun. That was amazing. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a really magical experience and it was a really exciting time. Um, we kind of grew out of it way faster than we thought we would though. <laughs> yes. yes. And I want to say like, it's magical. It was magical then. It's very magical to look back on it. There was a lot of things about it that weren't fun. It, it was a lot of work. It was kind of a beat up situation. We had invested the bare minimum. And so there was a lot of things we had to do to live on a daily basis. Like the modern comforts were not easy to get, you know, like getting a hot shower was always a little bit of an accomplishment. Everything <laughs> everything was a little bit more work and it starts to eat up your day. Mm -hmm. And as like we were starting other business projects that started to become a problem. But I will say this one recommendation I would give to anyone. It's not very practical, but if you want to get to know your partner, like maybe you, you're just starting and you, you want to get to know your partner before you make any bigger commitments Two two suggestions. One, go do like a, a month long hiking trip with them or like trekking even just a week them. or two weeks we <laughs> could already give a lot of and, information <laughs> yeah and then renovate something probably not a house because that's probably way too big a, a financial commitment in the beginning I, I wouldn't recommend it but renovating like a caravan you learn a lot about each other because you see each other at your best and at your worst and there's no hiding it <laughs> yeah well and that's why you guys are good guests most people say live together you know like the practical thing you you're like giving like go hiking and and, and like these kind of things but you bring up a very interesting point because i think that we are so in love with the sound of things and how things look from the outside that mm. then when we do it we discover like, oh, my God, this is worse or maybe this is better than what I thought. Like you really have to face reality of things. And I think living in a caravan is exactly that. It sounds so charming and so great. And then when you're in the middle, like camping, right? A lot of people don't like camping because of that. It sounds great, but then you're there and the mosquitoes are there and it's hot and et cetera. And then they say, okay, this is not for me, which I love camping just for the record. I personally <laughs> do, but I know what I'm facing. <laughs> yeah. No idea survives the first encounter with reality. Yeah. I think that's it, been my experience. It's And, you know, I just find it amazing because even you're talking about my life, right? Living in the care in a caravan in the woods in France. I remember that life. There was a lot of things about that life that I, when I was in it, I wished were over already. And I could just have, you know, maybe 
a summer day where I didn't feel like I was melting with the heat or something like that. And you saying it, it sounds, I have this really picturesque image of <laughs> people relaxing in a, in a chair and like being outside and the birds. And the reality is that we had a composting toilet and every so often we had to dig a hole to bury our own waste. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot that goes to it, but. It, and we it, rarely sat outside. And we just, rarely actually just enjoyed <laughs> and relaxed. Yeah, that's very like, it was the day before we sold it when we did that. And we're like, why don't we do this more often? It's crazy. But you know, this is, happens also with people that live in mansions and they have the boat yeah. there and they have the pool there. And then they discover like, oh, we never use the pool. We never use the mm. boat. We never. And it's it's so interesting. But it sounds better, you know, like achieving that. But, you know, yeah. I, fi I find that fascinating. So that's one of the things I at least personally try to focus on. It's like some things, they sound way better than what they really are but it's great to have lived it and it's it's great to have your own opinion about it i think oh, yeah, i think i think that's one of the really great things about it is like go out and find out for yourself yes and if if you like it great if you don't move on it's all kind of an adventure you learn a lot about yourself in the process and i i will say that while it wasn't particularly comfortable at times it was a lot of fun yeah it was we, amazing it's really it, i look it's a it's a time of our lives that we will cherish forever, no doubt. And I'm really happy we did it because as you said, I think at that when we bought the caravan, I had a hard time facing reality as it was. And I always wanted things to be slightly different. And it's a terrible mindset to live in, by the way. Like it's really, you're never happy. And it taught me a lot to accept how things are and appreciate all the things like the flooding of the floor of the caravan, but also sitting outside with the birds singing and, you know, like appreciating the whole spectrum. Uh, that's been that's been massive. That's awesome. And I think that's perfect, like segue for for what I want to talk next. It's it's about, you know, sometimes we prejudge circumstances or we make our own idea of how they're going to be. We label them. And uh, so I remember when we met, you were dating. And again, it, it seemed like I'm, here I am with two small children, you know, <laughs> and I've been married <laughs> for like 10 years. I have a big corporate job. It's like it sounded so nice. And then and then you guys said, you know, we you were not that convinced about the whole marriage institution. And mm. I personally feel, and I follow your entire journey uh, in terms of this podcast and, and what you've shared, that at that time, especially uh, Julie Roxanne, which I spoke more about it, maybe Alistair had his own ideas, but I exchanged a lot of females during that time with you about marriage and what it meant. And, and you never sounded like too convinced. So it came as a mm -hmm. big surprise to me when, you, when I heard we're getting married. Mm -hmm. Right. And then if you follow their podcast, you know, there's yes, there were some visa issues, but you love each other. And so to me, it makes sense that you guys are we're going to ma be married. So do you uh, feel that maybe your perception of the whole marriage experience has changed since you tied the knot? Yes, I, I also think we did it in a in a in a way that I'm happy about, because I think it could have been you know, we're early on in this. So we're just beyond a year, but like the experience of getting married and how we did it. I mean, our marriage cost us $2,000 and we paid for it. And we had a nice party for some family, but it was not a big thing. Um, we got married in Marseille in France. 
the um, pictures were beautiful so those were it was it was like the, honestly and i mean uh maybe everyone says that but it was the best wedding i've ever been to it was amazing yeah well that's, <laughs> a, that's a good sign <laughs> it, it was great i will say this that i think it took us both by surprise mm. um and i think this is partly in the way we do it but I, we did it but i think it is also partly why marriage is such a powerful thing is that it for us really felt like a rite of passage and we really felt like we ended on the other side somewhere new i mean it was like a it was definitely a powerful psychological transformation and i think uh we did underestimate how much that was going to impact our relationship um coming out the other side of it it was like we were not the same two people and i'm i'm glad for having gone through it yeah the first year has been interesting to say the least i feel like as you said alster we were i was most definitely underestimating the thing i was i was just like hey we're gonna sign papers we're gonna have champagne with people we like and uh you know we're just that'll be it Except, no, the the day after, the morning after we got married, I woke up and I remember the first thought I had was, oh, my God, so much more is possible now, which was a big shock to me that this was a thought that came up. Because if anything, I would have thought that marriage closed opportunities and it just felt like it opened up. It felt like I could finally see way into the future, which I thought we were. And now, and after getting married, I was like, oh, no, we weren't. We, we, there was a, when you're not committed in that way, there's only so far you can see, at least in our, in our case, I can't speak for other people's realities. Yeah. yeah. But that's interesting because, you know, I'm, I'm a romantic at heart. So I've always like had ambition. I want to get married. And, you know, like I, I did want the wedding. Didn't have to be a big wedding, but I kind of knew I come from an Italian family and I was raised in Venezuela. <laughs> so it was going to be big. I I knew that. So I never yeah. kind of was conflicted about it. I was conflicted more with I only want to get married once and I want to be happy. I don't want to settle. So I, I got married at 33, which for a Sicilian family, my my mom was already you know, they were saying I was a lesbian, not my family, but people around. <laughs> I was a lesbian. What's wrong with me? Like people were seriously thinking what's wrong because I had, you know, interesting guys, you know, um, trying to gain my attention, but I just didn't want to settle. So that was my biggest fear. And uh, I agree with uh, with you, Julia Roxanne, in terms of the, the opportunities it opened. So, but to see the change, you know, I hear so many people say, I don't need to get married, especially in church. I'm religious. So, of course, I wanted that. But, you know, people say, what a piece of paper is going to give me that, you know, I don't have when I've been living with the person so for so long. So that's why I value so much your your angle in this, because that's the way you did. I didn't do it that way, but that's the way you did it. And you still saw opportunities opening up just well, because you got married. It turns out a piece of paper changes a lot just because in our situation, we needed that piece of paper uh, because Roxanne's French, French and I'm American. Yeah. It, it was important for like some reasons. And that is actually what got us thinking about it so fast. But that aside, a piece of paper might not do much, but the symbolic act that marriage is, if, and, and that means making it your own, making it intentional and making it meaningful to you in whatever way it was like for us. We planted a tree that we yeah. Had, we like, had a we kind of crafted our own spiritual ceremony, and it was it was so 
peaceful and beautiful. We wrote our own vows and we had just 10 members of our closest, like the family witnessing us saying these vows. And I think that was when, you know, if I was to compare it to, if I was to look at it through the angle of a rite of passage, it felt like the ground opened up while we were telling our vows to each other, like something really profound in our psyche happened that it's like, okay, the light, the switch is on. It's it, You can't go back. You've crossed the portal. You've crossed the threshold and there's no coming back. And there's some, and there's a lot of psychic energy that was funneled into that by us, but also our family. Mm -hmm. And I think that was another aspect of it is being witnessed in this, in, in this act and in this rite of passage and all that. Like, I think if you do it in a way that speaks to you, that is going to unlock kind of psychic. Yeah doors yeah in uh and it's going and for us things just changed in it, psychically quite a bit uh, and we started showing up differently in our relationship and yeah. that was a kind of surprise to us we didn't see that coming and in our real life too i mean pretty much everything's changed after we got married in yeah. in like our life our everyday life yeah and that's uh you know it says perfect because i knew this was gonna be easy i'm like i don't need to prepare that much although i did prepare <laughs> and i know you guys have been more active on instagram and i invite everybody i mean they take the most amazing pictures and you learn where they're living now but uh you have in your uh bio on the instagram you have three things and i say this is perfect to base the the this chat around them you have Step of the beating path, which obviously you've shared, you know, you were living in a caravan. You you keep doing that. Uh, learn to live from the center and finding your tribe. So I thought, okay, we, let's focus on these three areas uh, for this conversation. So we've been talking a lot about how you stepped off your beating path. Uh, you still are a little bit because then it gets to the point where you decided to sell the caravan. You got married. This is all within the last year and a few months, and now you're leaving in? Well, so this is, I think I'm realizing <laughs> that we might not have clued you in, but we, we actually, we, li we lived in Guatemala for eight months, and we are now in California. We're in California <laughs> temporarily, and the funny thing is it's come full circle. We are looking for another caravan, <laughs> <laughs> which we can't believe because I, I swore off it when we sold I the know, last one. I thought we'd never do it uh, again. But we're looking for a, trunk and, a truck and a camper, and it's kind of a, it's a kind of crazy, crazy crazy story but yes stepping off the beaten path living from your finding your center living from that place and and finding your tribe are and i think like more than just physically doing those things but but like to me that's kind of a spiritual credo that that we're living by as well and that's great and i, I mean notice that i didn't say where you were living i i don't know why i was <laughs> sensing this you know because yeah, I, know. I let you say it because i know you move around a lot so i'm not gonna <laughs> go and mess it up so i didn't know you guys were in california although i saw an instagram picture that they say welcome back or something like that i say maybe they are not there anymore but you yeah. went to Guatemala, you rented a house, you were there for what, like over six months or six eight, months? Uh, eight, eight or eight, nine months. Eight months. Yeah. Yeah. And we were happy there and we thought we were going to be there for years. And life seems to have had other plans for us. We actually... Well, the pandemic happened, which actually yeah. we were supposed to come back to the U.S. much earlier than this or at the beginning of the summer, but we couldn't. And and. Actually, we also never really intended to stay in Guatemala for eight months. It just 
happened. We knew we wanted to be there long term. We knew we wanted to have like a base. And then after a while, we were like, okay, this could be where we are for years to come. And uh, yeah, and then things changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. We, uh, I don't know how far you want to get into this, but I'll, I'll tell you exactly a little bit about what changed, which is yeah. we started working with a couple uh, teachers around with ayahuasca. Um, this was Julie Roxanne's first ayahuasca retreat. It was, uh, I had done one in the beginning of my travels about five years ago, and it had been very powerful. And we started working with them. And then we actually moved to be closer to them in, our, in, in Guatemala and expected we'd probably continue to work with them for the next year or so, kind of formally said, hey, we'd like to start training with apprenticing, you. Yeah. yeah, apprenticing with you. And then they moved to the U.S. Um, <laughs> and so we decided, all right, what the hell, we'll, we'll follow. So that is part of the reason why we're here. So it's been a really big shock yeah. and surprise to us that we're here as well. Well, but you're following the, the good thing is, uh, and I admire this, that you can do you can do it because it's still the two of you, um, that you have that mobility and you can follow that path. And, and and try to still, you know, live from your center, which I know that you guys put a lot of emphasis in. And, and this is where the back to basics concept really aligns is if you can uh, stay true to what your center is and what you want, then everything else around you really kind of falls into place one way or the other. Would you agree? I would agree, because I think when we're staying true to our center, like that's I don't know. I think then we're engaging in a conversation between us and whatever that inner place is and the outer world. And there's a bit of a dialogue there. And it does seem to be, I, I think there's two sides of it. One, we have to learn how to respond to changes in the outer world. And that can be challenging. And I feel like that's a lot of what we're doing right now. And it is hard. And even as seasoned travelers, it's scary. It's There's a lot of unknowns and uncertainty. But I think the other side of that that I've seen so much happen too is that in this kind of dialogue, the outside, the the outside responds too, and a lot of times things match up in, in incredible ways that mm. I've never imagined. And that's that's I think some of the power of really learning how to live from that our center. And I think that takes some radical honesty and a, a fair amount of a fair amount of courage. Um, but when that happens, things do seem to line up. And I think uh, if I can add something to that, more and more for me, living from my center also equates to uh, sort of getting out of the way and let myself be lived rather than and let life live me. Because and this this is an idea that I've I've been exposed to in that way through uh, Michael A. Singer's book called The Surrender Experiment, which is incredible. And uh, and he basically says like, he realized early on in his life that um, when he was making plans, sure, he could make them happen, but they were never as grandiose as when he just let life take over and life guide him to what he needed to do. And and basically, we can only imagine so much with our little human brains, but if we try uh, to have faith in a higher power, call it God, call it life, call it the universe, call it, you know, spirit that they have a an intelligence and a way to plan things that we will never have because they just have. And so it's about 
getting out of the way, trusting, continuing to surrender. And that's a that's an ever unfolding journey of learning to trust, which is not what we're taught most of the time. Well, I think you unpack a lot just in that one. Um, <laughs> I think definitely surrendering and understanding that you we control nothing. And this is, I think, the main thing. One of the main things that we can take away from the pandemic is exactly that we control nothing. And we know nothing because I, I can bet most of most of humanity, you have predicted what we are living. Like in January, we would say that the world is going to stop. Like you describe exactly what we're going through. And how many people will have given you so many theories why that's impossible. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so we go and, and we function from that belief set of, you know, what we believe to be true. And now this is a perfect example to to show that really we know nothing. Like a meteorite can hit us in one week and we can say that's possible. And people would say, no, that's not possible. Yeah. Right now we've been, all of us, most of us have been proved wrong. Knowing nothing is pretty scary. And so I, th I think I definitely like to know things. Uh, <laughs> but I, I also think there's something very exciting when, when you're willing to like say, hey, I don't know it all because... I, in a way, knowledge is kind of deadening, right? Like if you know it, you don't need to pay attention to it. And when you don't know it, it really begs for, for your attention and your kind of participation with it. And so and there's a, yeah, there's a mystery to it. And, and honestly, if I look back, particularly at the last five or six years of my life and kind of the adventure that I've gone on, I'm most alive when I know the least. And when I think I know the least mm -hmm. that, and usually I get into trouble when, when I start feeling I know what's going on. <laughs> uh, well, that's very deep. I'm most alive when I know the least. You guys can, if you re-listen to this, you have like, I don't know, like 30 quotable moments, as Oprah would say, or, or quotable tweets, <laughs> by the way, just with this. And uh, I, I love the concept of the unknown, and I'm going to take advantage of it to introduce something that I'm pretty sure my listeners are not that familiar with because I wasn't familiar with it. And so I I think, you know, you in your podcast introduce and an, an interview, you have interviewed shamans and, and also you spoke about the ayahuasca and I personally don't know much about it. And I would love if you can, if you guys can just, you know, share with us uh, the high level of this concept and these people. Oh, sure. yeah. This, yeah. This is a topic we definitely love to talk about. Do you yeah. want to start? Yeah. So the the easiest way to talk about it and to introduce it, ayahuasca is a, uh, a, a, a mix of plants that come from the jungle. Uh, there's a there's a vine and there's a, there's leaves and different plants to, from the jungle. And basically what what it does is you take it in the form of a tea. And it's uh, it's considered the medicine in the jungle. It's being it's served by medicine people and shamans to heal people. Um, from I think I think this is a really important point before you go any further because yes. people talk about ayahuasca as a drug in the U.S. and it always it's not, it just sounds really odd because if you were to ever go to a setting where ayahuasca is being served and where you're working with ayahuasca. That is absolutely not how it's treated. It's that like it's treated with reverence and uh, a lot of things. And so it's always strange to me when I when I talk, I don't know, to friends or family and then they call it, you know, they say they call it 
drug. So we have to kind of drop that baggage and, and think about it as a plant, a, a kind of sacred plant that is used to understand ourselves better. And I think the reason why it is usually put in the same category as a drug is because the effects of ayahuasca are psychedelics or or the, a word that's being used right now is entheogens, which is, I guess, just because we don't like the baggage of the word psychedelics, but it basically means the same thing, which is allowing visions to connect further with the divine and with our own perception of reality and consciousness. So... Yeah, so you, it's a tea that you drink and it's done in a ceremony setting. It's a very powerful spiritual medicine, so it it should not be done uh, lightly. Um it's definitely something I would never do by myself and and you know, you need to have people holding the space who know how to do that. It's um my personal experience with it that I can that I can just share because it, it like what happens in an ayahuasca ceremony starts to become ineffable. It's in the realm of things that is hard to talk about. Uh, but basically, there's just most of the time the participant will sit up or lie down and and have be taken on a on a journey inside their own minds and inside. Uh, the divine. <laughs> uh, and, and it's really, you, you have visions and the shamans in the context we've done, we've done it. The shamans will sing, uh, medicine and sacred songs that have been passed down by their shamans. And so there's a whole lineage thing. It's, it's, it's incredible. And, and to bring it down to maybe more of a reality ground level, I've started working with this in March of 2020. So a few months ago, and I have never been this happy. I have never been this healthy. I have never been this mentally stable. And I've never been this aligned with reality, whatever it brings my way. I feel very, if no, anxiety, which the background of me is uh, depressed, anxious, and, and, you know, lots of, lots of, health issues. So it, it it really has acted as a medicine in in a in a physical and mental and spiritual emotional way for me. So that's what I can say. And to give listeners a visual maybe of what happens is maybe you'll show up. Typically you'll do these in series. So um ayahuasca actually gets stronger if you do it multiple days in a row. And that's be the, the effects are cumulative. Uh, so typically you'll end up doing it in a series. Maybe you'll do one or two or three or even four or five over the course of a few days up to a week. And you will show up. There will be your shamans, maybe some apprentices and the people on the retreat. And the space is kind of prepared. Um, and you can imagine it like a temple or any kind of spiritual space. There's mm -hmm. a lot of uh, attention brought to the space. And at some point, you may sing, there may be some songs sung, some meditations led through. Everyone will do it slightly different. And you've probably been fasting for a little while. And then you will drink the medicine, which comes in a glass, usually. Uh, it's pretty awful stuff uh, going down. It can be tough. And then it's you, a little viscous. And then in our case, ceremony will usually last anywhere from like five to seven hours. I mean, depending, it could even go longer depending on who's leading it. And how many participants? And you can think about it as it's very much, it's very similar to meditation in a lot of ways. Mm. At least that's the way we've approached it. Is you, maybe you lie down, maybe you sit up, 
Um, but you, ayahuasca teaches some pretty fundamental lessons, like surrendering to what is in the moment. And there's definitely a lot of underworld and upper world journeying. Uh, so you go to a lot of different places. I've heard ayahuasca described pretty aptly as you. Um, and I think what the power in ayahuasca really is, or at least part of it, it's hard to really describe it completely, such a multidimensional um, medicine. But uh, some of the big power, and I think one of the reasons why we've been so attracted to it and so interested in it is that it is such a teacher mm. uh, of learning how to kind of come back into my own body to and, and also to face my own shit, mm. um, a lot of my own stuff. In a lot of ways, it brings things that it's kind of a magnifier or an amplifier. So whatever's there, maybe that is uh, subconscious or unconscious, ayahuasca is very good at bringing that into consciousness. And that allows you to actually work with it, whereas before maybe you couldn't see it. And that's one of the things I find very powerful about it is it brings these things up, which can be very difficult um, and scary. But there's also many sublime experiences. Ayahuasca can show us ways of being we'd never even dreamed, mm. um, which is also part of its its power. But in both ways, I found it to be kind of a guide, a teacher, and a healer. Interesting. Well, I knew that I had to ask the question because, you know, you are starting to listen, you know, hearing about it more and more. And uh, I think it's part of also during pandemic times, people are searching, are searching how to yeah. calm down, how to quiet the mind. You know, I, I personally um, did a mindfulness uh program and, and I've been, you know, embracing a little bit more mindfulness. Um, so it's it's good. I think you're the perfect teachers. And for everybody out there, I mean, they do retreats, hopefully soon when this craziness uh, goes back to normal, right? But I'm sure you have a lot going on about uh, in, in this, in, in this uh, let's say, um, area. Like uh, I know Julia Roxanne, who's also a chef, if you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's yes that is part of one my one of my trades exactly and you embed that into part of your retreats with uh you know organic food and natural living and all that good stuff mm -hmm. yeah we're hoping our our retreats this year have been on hold because of the pandemic so uh, we mainly lead uh wilderness, wilderness retreats, retreats. we are retreats. we are not we are merely participants and uh students of ayahuasca at this point we are not leading retreats yeah but with, we bring a lot her. of what we we're learning there into our retreats and our retreats are around exploring wilderness and kind of going on personal journeys of transformation and and helping lead people through that so i think a lot of the spirit is the same but the medium we like to use is nature And we're hoping we can resume next year. And and yeah. that's great. No, and I and I and I knew that uh, you guys are learning this, but it's good because it's part of. I, I love that we learn with you. <laughs> like to have someone <laughs> on the show that you can go back and ask them, you know, candidly. Like, okay, tell tell me about this. Like, I myself, I've been curious about it, and uh, mm. so that's great. And obviously, I'm, I'm I have to ask about, you know, your your businesses, what are you doing, what is exciting you, what are you working on that you feel excited about? If you want to share an anything that you can yeah. share. It's an interesting time to ask that because we've been actually closing down a lot of stuff um, mm. and kind of transitioning. So it's been a period of transition. I think there's a, there are a couple of things we're pretty excited about, which is we got trained in combo, which is a whole nother conversation. But 
just really basically combo is the secretions of the waxy green tree frog, which is in South America. And often this is used in combination with ayahuasca, but it's a healing medicine on its own. And you apply it to uh, burn marks on the skin that you make, and it helps you, well, it helps you detoxify, it helps you purge, it helps you heal in a lot of different ways. Different experience, uh, but we've been trained in that. And so part of the reason we came back to the U.S. was to start administering that medicine Um, which we've had a strong connection with and has been very powerful. So we're in the early stages of figuring that out. But part of the reason we're getting on the road is to go around the country offering that different conversation. But I'm also very excited about our retreats. Um, We're doing a lot of stuff online right now, which probably doesn't come as a surprise, but um, we're we're teaching uh, workshops on consciousness and personality and going to be doing one on um, finance pretty soon, which has always been a, a passion project of mine. Yeah, and, Alistair uh, has a very mindful approach to uh, personal finance, and he's had amazing results with people. And now he's finally bringing that program to a workshop level, which is going to be, I think, even more impactful for participants. And all of this stuff is built around the idea of helping people step off the beaten path in their life, which and and really find their center. So just kind of find themselves and learn how to live from that place. And there are different skills, whether it be money, whether it be understanding kind of your personality and developing self-knowledge, whether it be going on journeys with other people that are interested in this kind of stuff and, and exploring these things. Uh, these are all kind of aspects of it. And so we're building out different workshops, different programs and different retreats and experiences to facilitate that because I find while stepping off the beaten path can be kind of a glorified adventure, it's usually a really, really lonely one to go on in earnest. Um, And it usually means being pretty lost and pretty confused um, because we can't, there's a great quote, traveler, there is no path. The path is made by walking. And I think that applies to this because what we're suggesting is you figure it out for yourself. And that always implies some amount of loneliness or some amount of solitude. And you have to, you can do it with others, but at the end of the day, that's your, you, that's a question posed to you and you have to answer it. And so we're trying to build a community uh, that supports that personal journey. And uh, uh, something else that's really exciting is that we are continuing to help people with their podcasts, such as you. And we have a handful of other clients that we really like to work with and support on their journey of sharing their voices with the world. So that is something we are continuing to do. And uh, yeah, I'm 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 most excited about continuing to study with our shamans. I think that's going to be a very interesting adventure and uh a lot has happened since we started working with them. And if you had told me a few months ago where we would be and what we would be about to embark on, I would have scoffed and laughed. Uh, so I'm curious to see where we end up in just a year, just realizing, making the connection to where we were last time we talked on this podcast, you and I, Letty, is mind boggling. For me, it's a, it's a, there's a a weird thing that happens in my brain where it's hard to even totally remember and relate to the person I used to be back then. And, and that's wonderful. Now, I'll say one, I'll say one last thing that is for anyone who's interested in any of these projects, we finally built a website where yes. that's our home for all these things that we do under kind of the far out name, whether it be the podcast or some of these other things we've been talking about. And it's 
www.thefaroutlife. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. And I definitely will have it on all the show notes, but you you should check it out because it's like, that's why I say I have to have these guys on the show again, because if you have found them fascinating, which I'm sure you have, go back and check their individual episodes because each one of them had a corporate career. They were doing what most of us are doing. And then they decided to just go explore and they met in India and they have a fascinating story. So it's, that's why I say <laughs> this, you know, I need to build upon this. And I'm sure that in a year that this would be, <laughs> well, I would love, I would love to be back in the year. We have to do this year by year <laughs> because you have the potential to blow us away every time <laughs> that we talk with what you're doing. Yeah. And, um, but also to inspire because ultimately it is about inspiring people. And, uh, the fact that, you know, you have finding your tribe as part of the mission. I think it's so important because the, the three of us are living very different lives right now. Like I'm on a very different path. And yet I consider you guys part of my tribe. Mm, and I think that's same. something that it's very important for anybody listening out there. It's not about living the same lifestyle. And and, and I think that yeah. uh, it was in one of your uh, blogs, Alistair, that you say it's not about thinking or agreeing on everything. It's just about finding people that are on a similar journey. In a, and it can be in different dimensions. Like I feel we're going in different dimensions. And then I don't want to ask if you want to have kids, but obviously, you know, kids change everything because yeah. they anchor yeah. you. They anchor you for a period of time. Like my husband and I feel, okay, we are anchored until they are 18. And then, and then mm. I know that maybe we turn the tables and you will be interviewing us and we'll be on a sailing boat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love that. Love Maybe that. you yeah, have I little ones and you are anchored, you know? <laughs> I, I think you made a good point because I think we're just interested. And yes, it is about inspiring. And I, that's why we turned the podcast on two years ago is because we're like, hey, this is a journey we should share because for us, we've been inspired by other people who have shared their journeys and showed us what is possible yes. that we we hadn't thought of. Not that we think everyone should do what we're doing, but I think the journey we want to really inspire people on is the journey to yourself, to figure out what is best for your life. What is your path? What is your unique question and answer? Um, and that's, that's at the end of the day, I, I, I hope that's the message we, we get across and, and I, I hope that's the mark we kind of leave. Well, I definitely think uh, you gave us, uh, you gave me your episode's name, The Journey to Yourself. Mm. But, uh, you know, I admire the work you guys are doing. I'm a big fan. And I'm sure that uh, people that listen to this are going to check out your podcast and your retreats because it's just uh, inspiring. So I thank you for being part of my life and, and back to basics. And I really look forward to uh, seeing what you guys achieve. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Lady. It's been an honor. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Take care. And until the next time. <laughs>